Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good evening, Slasher fans. You're here with a brand new episode of Slasher Studios Horror Podcast with a brand new topic tonight. I'm here as always with my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. It's a gorgeous day, it was a gorgeous day outside. So how about you? Uh, yeah, not too too bad. Um, yeah, we had like really like it was like really, really, really humid and just gross there for a while. But the last like day or two of it has been pretty nice. Like I'm hoping that the you know, not to curse us, but I'm hoping that, like the majority of like the the summer heat and humidity is done because it's been just gross and awful. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for fall. Like, just give me my Halloween and I'm good to go. Yeah, exactly. Like, just give me like October, like September, October, and then like, you know, maybe like a little bit of winter and just spring, and then we can go back to fall again. Yeah. <laughs> have you watched anything new lately? Um, yes, I actually have. Um, so I watched um, two new ones. Um, the one that, um, both ones, well, I guess one that you kind of recommend, well, I guess you're both kind of recommend it. Um, but I saw Unforgettable. Oh. And what did you think? I didn't, I didn't mind. So, okay, so here's, here's the thing with Unforgettable. And this is, for those of you guys who don't know it, you know, it's got Kevin Heigl in it, uh, Rosario Dawson, you know, it's the standard, you know, that, you know, Blake from Hell movie that we'd get in the 90s, you know, obsessed with this other woman, like, yeah, the, the, okay, so the problem with the movie is, is that it felt like I kept feeling that they were holding back. Um, every time that I'm like, ooh, it's starting to get good, and it doesn't really, I mean, this movie really didn't kind of deserve like the huge, like hugely negative reviews that it got, but that's mostly just because it's fairly mediocre. I mean, it's one of those movies. It's a fine 90 minute watch. Um, you know, two days later, I don't know if I could, you know, pass this test on the plot because it's just so by the numbers. Um, I, I was kind of hoping for more insanity throughout. And it's fine. I mean, it is what it is. And it's not It's not bad, especially if you like these kind of movies. But I don't know. Um, I, was, I was kind of hoping for a little bit higher level than kind of a, a mild R-rated uh, Lifetime movie. Yeah, and I think most of the hatred comes because it stars Katherine Hagel. I mean, that's that's all I can really think of is that I because yeah, there's there's nothing about it that's like horribly offensive or anything like that, or it's not even like that bad of a movie, but it's just I mean, she's she's one of those where it's just people hate her. And so they just kind of well, and too, I found that with these type of movies, um, whenever it's whenever they kind of play play up the kind of you know the um, you know the girl versus girl, especially as of lately, it seems like people are much more on the defensive with that um, stuff like the roommate, which I didn't like at all, but I know that it does have its fans, and um, also like obsessed. Um, it seems like for whatever reason, like. 
people are harder on those movies than if it were just the, you know, the standard, you know, Fatal Attraction plot. Mm-hmm. I like Obsessed. And you know what? The roommate was terrible, but I thought Leighton Easter was good in it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things where I, I had no problems with kind of the cast. It was just that it, it was just so blandly formulaic and just, I mean, it was just so by the numbers. And like the one like kind of, um, you know, against the grain that they went with was sort of killing an animal, which like, so, it was felt so out of place for the rest of the movie, but that's kind of, you know, a different oh, conversation. I, I I knew it was coming because it follows pretty much beat for beat single white female, which is what one of the t- that titles I was going to talk tonight. But yeah, I mean, instead of getting her hair cut to look like Bridget Fonda, she gets the matching tattoo. And, you know, when she starts to feel ignored, she takes the, the pet they both share and she accidentally kills it. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> Because in single white female, she she's like, I left the door or the window open. The dog fell out. And on this one, oh, I didn't see the kitten and the laundry bag. Like, I mean, I knew it was coming the second they introduced it. I was, I, I guess, I was more surprised in the fact that they went that far with it being kind of, you know, a PG thirteen teeny bopper movie. I mean, because single white female gets, I mean, it gets a little, little on the trashy side with some of the stuff that happens, like the oral sex scene. So I guess I was more surprised in just like the type of movie it was. But yeah, you're right. Um, it does kind of follow the beats for beats, so I shouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> Did you watch all through the house? Yes, I did. That was the other one I was going to talk to you about. Um, so yeah, this is this is like the complete opposite of the one that I was just talking about. So this one, um, yeah, you had kind of said like you know you'd kind of give me give me a rundown of it, and I I was really kind of just I'm I'm trying to think like the right word for it. I w- I was pleasantly entertained by just kind of. I don't know. It, it kind of felt like an an icky um, indie, like low, much lower budget version of Silent Night, which kind of had played with some kind of um, of the other um, kind of uh, taboos and kind of like the this is kind of a little why are they doing this? Um, but I had fun with it. I wasn't bored. Um, I I was thoroughly entertained throughout. Um, I just I. I thought that, I mean, if we were going to kind of compare uh, newer indie horror films, I mean, you know, after like a half an hour of The Barn, you're kind of, you know, checking your watch to see like how much of those movies done. I didn't have that with this one. And that in and of itself is almost a recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I, it was, it wasn't like, I'm going to flat out just be like, I didn't think it was good. It wasn't good, but it was really fucking entertaining. And that's, <laughs> sometimes what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, it was kind of like they were like, hey, like we're going to make one of those 80s-style uh, slashers that are a little a little sleazy. Not so much mean... I mean, well, there, there's moments in here that are mean spirited, but the tone throughout is not, um, which I think is is a big I mean, kind I, of... Um, what was that? A half hour into the movie, we... A half hour into the movie we are blessed with our second castration scene i mean <laughs> but if, if you, i don't know like i i it's gross and i i don't we don't really necessarily need to see that uh but at the same time it wasn't it, yeah yeah i guess they were doing it for shock value but at the same time it wasn't one of those kind of you know the the wallowing in the kind of, you know, the depravity of the situation, like some of the other horror movies that we were talking about last week when we were talking about, like, taboos of horror. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was thoroughly entertained. I, I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, consider this a quote-unquote good movie either, but I would pleasantly re-watch it every couple of Christmases if I'm bored. Um, so, I mean, it, that's kind of like a marginal recommendation, but... Yeah, like you said, like I was thoroughly entertained throughout, and it was it was it, it was good for what it was. And nowadays, that's really all you can ask for. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm glad it wasn't like a total like hatred moment. <laughs> you know, I mean, for the most part, both of them that I watched this weekend, I mean, I had a fairly good time with. I mean, even even um, Unforgettable was, um, which it's such a bad title because it's so forgettable. But um, mm-hmm. you know, it it was a pleasant, easy watch, and you know, it's one of those things too with kind of you know some of the movies that we've been getting lately uh some of them have been feeling like a chore to finish and i didn't have that with either one of these and sometimes you just need 90 minutes to just be like hey i'm gonna turn my brain off like you know just entertain me and that's for the most part what these two did for me so i i a decent time watching both of them uh so, so uh what have you seen lately um let's see i rewatched the mutilator and it's still, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Some, I mean, it is kind of hard because, like, the characters are all pretty likable as far as, like, 80s slashes go. I mean, there's a group of kids. So it is hard because each death as it goes on gets progressively worse. And then you get the giant, like, wailing hook up the hoo-ha, which was just way out of left field. But, I mean, it's still, like, a really fun you know, low-budget 80s slasher movie, and, I mean, Arrow did just a phenomenal job with the release, so it was great. <laughs> um, let's see what else. I watched... I watched No One Lives, which I don't know if I've talked about that. I could have sworn I've watched it before, but I don't remember anything about it, so... I watched that. I, um, I went in with really low expectations because I had just heard some really nasty, annoying things. And, you know, I didn't hate it. I would never say, again, it was good, but it was better than I was expecting. Um, you've got kind of a fun cast. Luke Evans, who is currently or was recently um, guest on in the live action Beauty and the Beast, um, does a pretty good job. I mean, he's a, a creeper for sure. And then... Let's see. Um, Adelaide Clemens from Silent Hill Revelations, which is bad, but she's not bad. She's she's okay in this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. It's fun. It's an easy way to pass an hour and a half. Um, if you can get past America Alivio from the Friday the 13th remake. Terrible acting. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I haven't really watched, I watched the, oh, I watched 24 by 36, a movie about movie posters, and that was really cool to watch. Um, Towards the end, I did get a little disappointed because they really went heavily into, like, Mondo, and Mondo this, and Mondo that, and Mondo, 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 and I was like, all right, we get it, like, Mondo brought him back, but can we talk about something else? (laughs) <laughs> is that is that a new documentary? Uh yeah, it's all about like movie art and stuff like that. So that was that was really cool. Yeah, um, that's going on. I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, I rented it on Amazon. It was it was a good um it was well worth like the three dollars to rent it because there was a lot of really cool stuff about like movie posters and like the art and stuff like that and how it's changed and how they hate it and, but yeah and then the the last like half hour is all about mondo like bringing back the movie posters and how it's kind of got a second life with um the non like shitty artwork and stuff like that it was interesting i liked it yeah um i'll definitely check it out yeah i've, I've been noticing that too with uh uh, recent releases, especially, I know that I know it was a huge flop of that um, that new movie, uh, Monster Trucks. Uh, uh, kudos to Paramount for doing a hand-drawn uh, poster, movie poster for that, like for a big-budget movie. Uh, so maybe maybe we're going to see it more uh, with the kind of mainstream stuff. Oh, who knows? I would love it, but I mean, you know that they're going to be like, well, I bet you it was the poster that caused the movie to flop, not anything else. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. That's the thing is that, yeah, when it's kind of tied to something that doesn't do well, they're going to kind of grasp at straws as opposed to, you know, kind of taking their own responsibility and saying like, well, maybe this movie wasn't a good idea in the first place. No. No, it's always going to be something else. It wasn't the movie's fault. It was the poster. <laughs> director. <laughs> but yeah, and then, so was there anything um, else you wanted to watch? Um, yes. The last one I watched find it really quick here. Um oh I watched it two weeks or no, I watched two more. Um I watched the anthology XX, the like female filmmaker anthology, which I didn't think was bad. I mean I had seen a lot of um negative reviews about it and I didn't really understand why because I thought it was it was really good there was um good stories like some of them aren't like the second one is more like dark comedy as opposed to like horror but I mean I thought it was really well done as far as anthologies go I thought it was good but um yeah I don't know why people were so like underwhelmed by it because I thought it was well acted. There were some good, some good stories. I really liked the box and um, her only living son. Don't fall was good as well. Uh, the birthday party, even though I do love Melanie Linsky, it was the, uh, it was the dark comedy one. And I just didn't really get on board with it, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I'm wondering why, I mean, does it have any horror elements at all? Oh, yeah, the other three are very horror. Um, oh, and the, the birthday one. Yeah, the birthday one's the only one that's just, like, a dark comedy. The rest are, like, flat-out horror. The second one, or, no, uh, the, the third story is very kind of predictable. It's It's nothing new, but it's still done well. Um, I would say probably the first or the last one are the best, but they're all fun. Yeah, I know that I I know that I read a lot of reviews about the birthday story one and that um the the birthday one and yeah that one was kind of very right down the middle. There were people who like loved it or they were like this doesn't even belong here. Like this does not fit the tone of the rest of the movie. Yes, and I feel like that was my problem with it, is it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie. Had it been in a separate anthology, I probably would have really enjoyed it, but the fact that we are, it's it, it sticks out like a sore thumb, and there's nothing like really, like there's no real big payoff or anything. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. Oh. Um, but I would still recommend yeah, I'm it. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll definitely check that one out. Um, yeah, maybe too. I mean, it might have been a mistake um, opening the movie with that story too, because I mean, that might have been one of those things where you know people are just like, this isn't horror, so they kind of you know just shut themselves off to liking the movie when they're they weren't really into the first story. So I'm sure that probably didn't help some people either. That's possible. I mean, sadly, I I think. Um, a big reason it got as many negative reviews as it did is because it was a female, like written, directed, focused female anthology horror movie. And I mean, they're, they can, they can be kind of misogynistic sometimes. I mean, look at the Ghostbusters remake. I mean, they were vehemently against that before it even came out. And so I, 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 I worry that a lot of the negative reviews were based on, well, women filmmakers, wah, 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 wah. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. But it's possible. Yeah, and to, I don't think it kind of helped in the fact that, um, you know, it followed, you know, right after um, – I think that is a good point, but yeah, I think too, it, the fact that it kind of followed um, after like the, the VHS series and VHS viral was so like adamantly hated uh, for good reason. It's not good, but um, 
I think that was kind of a, a terrible big bridge to climb getting after, um, like following a movie like that, trying to get people back on board with uh, horror anthology series. And see, I thought, like, I remember, like, for some reason, I thought XX was supposed to be another VHS movie because I remember them talking about a, a VHS sequel that was going to be female like lead filmmakers and like I thought the Soska sisters were like on the list to do one and stuff like that so that's just what I assumed after uh VHS viral tanked so bad because it was fucking awful that they just were like all right well we're gonna rebrand this like yeah that's pretty much the rumor that I had heard was that after VHS viral got such a um a negative response that they kind of just um shuttered this kind of movie this movie into um into kind of its own thing, which it probably in all honesty that was probably for the best mm-hmm. yeah 'cause i mean and it it stinks 'cause you know I thought v h one was very ambitious or v h one uh v h s was very ambitious um I did felt it. Some of the segments went on a little too long, but I thought it was it was good for what it was. It was very ambitious. Um, I thought the sequel definitely fixed what was wrong with the first one, and I thought, well, if we keep this up, this momentum, you know, part three is going to be amazing. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, so yes, this did this did start bringing me back into anthologies. Um, where I'm like, you know what, I I I like anthologies. You know, I think they're fun. I I thought there was a lot of good segments in the the holidays anthology movie, and oh, that's another one I just watched. Um, Nightmare Nightmares from like 1981 with Emilio Estevez. That's a oh god, I forgot about that movie. I haven't seen that since I was like a little kid. Yeah, me neither. And so I the um the Screen Factory Blu-ray, and it looks great. Um, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's, like, like, I mean, yes, the, the video game story is a little, a little cheesy, but um, it's still, it's still really entertaining. I mean, for being, like, early 80s, it's, it's just, a lot of fun. Veronica Cartwright's amazing in it. I love Christina Raines because, you know, The Sentinel is one of my favorite movies. And it's just, it's, it's, it's probably very nostalgic for me, though. Because I, I remember watching yeah, it. Um, I can't remember anything about that movie besides the, the video game sequence. Yeah. Um, well, the opening one with Christina Raines is you know, it's like the opening to Urban Legend where, you know, there's a killer stalking Topanga Canyon, but she just needs to go out and get cigarettes. And while she's at the gas station, you know, the, the gas station attendant creeps her out and it turns into someone with the backseat. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Or, I mean, maybe if I did, I might have just kind of, you know, shuddered it in my head that it was like an episode of, like, Tales from the Dark Side or like The Hitchhiker or one of those shows. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I vaguely, like, I kind of remember that, but um, yeah, I'll definitely have to give that one another go. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then um, the last one I watched is it came up on Amazon Prime and I was excited because I love the lead actress, uh, Azura Sky. She was in the remake of One Miss Call. She was also on a few episodes of Buffy. She's a big TV actress, but I've always really liked her. One of her biggest roles was Sandra Bullock's um, teenage heroin-addicted roommate in 28 Days. But this movie, I was so happy to see her as a, a starring role, but then I was really bummed out that the movie wasn't that good. <laughs> um it was it was fine. It was it was one of those where it's like the mysterious old building where a tragedy happened and randomly some real estate agent gets the file and they're like they'll only work with you and they're trapped in the. I mean it's very by the number. It's got really bad 
CGI, but she's good in it. And I wish that she would get some better, um, better roles because, you know, she kind of just disappeared and now she's doing this. But, you know, it wasn't, it was just very uneventful and I just, I wish I would have liked it more. Yeah, it's really fun with her because, like, the thing that I remember her most from is, like, the thing that no one remembers. And that was the the WB sitcom um, Zoe Duncan, Jack and Jane Duncan, with Selma Blair. Yep. <laughs> Selma Blair. Um, if I, Selma Blair, Michael Rosenbaum's in it before he was in Urban Legends. Um, yeah, it was like the teenage um, Seinfeld, like it was like the teenage Seinfeld meets Friends, like Kids in the City, and it was fun and it was good, and it only lasted for two seasons in WB. But she was really good in it, and she was like her quirky best friend. And um, I would like to watch that show again because I remember it being fun. I think it's on YouTube. Oh, that's time to check it out then. Yeah, um, but yeah. That's that's pretty much all I've watched. It was more than I was remembering because I thought I was gonna be like, oh, I've only got two movies to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely have to check out um for sure that uh that movie poster documentary. I'm a big like like film like uh, like documentaries about any any type of film, especially if they're you know slightly horror related. I'm I'm all about that, so I'll definitely be adding that one to the top of my list. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you if you're if you're if you have a love for like old painted movie posters, which I know you do, um you will enjoy it. Nice. Yeah, I I will I'm definitely going to check that one out. Um hopefully be fun next week, so I'll be able to talk about it then. But uh yeah, so some movie recommendations for you guys. Um so tonight we're talking about uh, psychological horror movies, uh, movies that, you know, either have a twist or, you know, they're, you know, um, playing like mind games or, horror, yeah, like just movies that kind of, you know, skirt that edge of, you know, what's reality and what's going on and, you know, that like a lot of times like, these, these type of movies play with the, the, the trope of uh, thrillers, that whole, um, the unreliable narrator, um, but yeah, I got, um, like, I got like a decent amount on my list. So, um, Andrew, if you'd like to jump right in with one of yours, I know that we talked a little bit about, um, uh, single white female. Yes. Um, single white female is one of those where, again, it, on paper, it feels very like lifetime movie, but the, the direction and the writing and the acting elevate it way above um it's just you know Bridget Fonda plays uh a New York woman who needs to find a roommate and she gets Jennifer Jason Lee who's a very quiet kind of reserved character and then suddenly like she's like oh is that my skirt nope she bought the same one and they go to the salon together and all of a sudden Jennifer Jason Lee's got her same haircut and color and it's just it's 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 so well done and it's played very not campy. It's very serious. And that's why I think single white female will always work. Plus, I mean, it's just that gorgeous fucking New York architecture. I, I believe it's the Dakota in um, New York city, but let me double check. Oh, no, that's the, and Sonia. The Dakota was used in um, Rosemary's Baby. But yeah, it's just those big, oh. giant, like, gothic architecture, like, apartment buildings that New York has. And it's just, it's beautiful. That's a great yeah, movie. This was kind great of... looking movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this was kind of um, in the era where um, we had these kind of blank for Michelle movies that were kind of a, a step above, where they kind of took um, a, a lifetime style uh, performance, but they, you know, they gave it an A-list cast with an A-list director, and they took it seriously. It wasn't played for camp. It wasn't over the top. Um, another movie like from this era that's, you know, very similar, not so much in tone, but I mean, just kind of, you know, 
taking a premise that could have been, you know, just laughable and making it work would be like um, the hand that rocks the cradle. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love him. That's actually on my list as well. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that was, um, that was going to be my favorite with that one, too. So that's perfect because that one's on my list as well. <laughs> I, well, I mean, you can't go wrong with crazy Rebecca DeMornay. As a matter of fact, you just can't go wrong with Rebecca DeMornay, full stop. But, yes, she is amazing in this movie. Yeah, this movie's all about her, and there's little tiny moments where you 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 really feel bad for her, especially you know when you kind of get her backstory and what's going on. But boy, can she switch on a dime and just turn into this psycho and just seeing this happen. And it's it's very much um you know she kind of you know played it play that kind of, you know, same kind of, you know, that on-the-edge type character in, in Mother's Day, which the remake, the so-called remake or whatever, but um, that she was also fantastic in. But, yeah, she's just, it's just both this one and a single white female. Uh, like I said, like, they, they take a, they take a material that in lesser hands would have just kind of been junk and they you know polish it up and they make it interesting and it's about these characters that you know they might not be likable but they're interesting and you're you want to see what happens to them and i think that's really part of what makes these kind of characters tag Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's and that's another one where it's just like I would say um, single white female and hand that rocks could a lot of these like '90s psychological thrillers work, I think, because their their characters had layers. They weren't just like flat out evil, evil, evil. Like there's something like something set them off to get to that point. I mean, maybe uh, Hetty and uh, single white females a little bit crazy, but um, hand that rocks cradle. I mean. She just gets everything just dumped on her, and I, 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 you can understand why she snaps. Do I agree with it? No, but you understand why she kind of loses it. Yeah, there is kind of that buildup where it's just not like, oh, hey, like this person's just crazy just for no reason at all, and especially after her character, um, yeah, she goes through a lot of shit and. Yeah, um, it's not necessarily justifiable, the stuff that she does. Um, but, yeah, um, the other thing, too, the other reason that I would recommend checking out Hannah Earth's The Cradle is a small little, I can't, not cameo because it's longer than that, but um, uh, one of the first performances by uh, Julianne Moore, who's got an interesting um, character in the movie, and she's kind of, you know, the, she plays that character that, unfortunately, you know, you know something's not good is going to happen because the character... Just has the most common sense. <laughs> she's the she's the overly inquisitive best friend, which means she's not long for the world. But yeah, I mean, she kind of steals the movie away from Annabelle. Is it Annabella or? I'm sorry, I should have had this. Yeah, um, Annabelle. I think it's Annabelle Sciore. Is that it? Yes, Annabella Sciore. Um, she just she does a really good job. It's just she's overshadowed by better performances by Rebecca De Mornay and you know Julia Moore's just. I mean, she's so charismatic that she kind of steals anything. I mean, she she steals her sequence of tales from the dark side as well. I mean, she just kind of kicks ass. <laughs> Yeah, she was really like even like back in the day um, when she was kind of using you know this character work in these you know horror thrillers. Uh, she made them quirky, and she made them her own, and was just having fun with it. It was nice to see. Mhm. So let's see. Next on my list is 1991's A Kiss Before Dying. It is a remake, but it's. I didn't know that at first. Um, I remembered renting this when I first moved to Minneapolis. Um, I worked in a grocery store that had like a little wall of rentals and this was one of them. And I just, I thought it was so good. It was, uh, 
was it Matt Dillon? It's Matt Dillon or Kevin Dillon. I want to Matt Dillon and Sean Young. And he, um, he murders one of the twin sisters and then moves to New York to try and woo the other one. And she starts kind of realizing something's off with him. And it's very like, it's, it's, it feels like one of those like 60s noir movies, but it just, oh, it works so well. And I really enjoy um, Sean Young's performance. And Matt Dillon's just such a, a charismatic, like snaky, evil bad guy. But you're, you're intrigued by him to keep watching him. So I, I would recommend that one for sure. Yeah, this is one of them that I definitely need to check out again because I remember this one being on USA quite a bit when I was younger, and I know that I've definitely seen it a couple of times. I vaguely remember pieces of it, but not as a whole. Um, but I do remember um, liking it quite a bit, and I've always been kind of, you know, a big uh, fan of the underrated uh, Sean Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a shame she got blacklisted. I mean, yes, it was a little weird, the whole Tim Burton thing, but, I mean, I didn't think that was enough to get her out of Hollywood completely. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun, like, popcorn thriller that, you know, shut your brain off a little bit, and it's fun. It's good. Yeah, I think they're always kind of ones that are... Um... Um, good to good to check out, especially kind of when you when you when you kind of know what you're getting and yeah, um, I, I do kind of like those kind of you know those more modern. Although I don't know if we can call it ninety modern anymore, which is really sad. But the so old, but um, those kind of like movies of that era that were kind of you know very um, uh, yeah, just kind of like that that sixties you know film noir style and just kind of you know bringing that back and we're kind of getting a little bit more of it now but yeah that, that's a good one I, I need actually I need to watch it again because I know that I have the DVD so um, I will check it out uh, so the next one on my list um, this, one, you know, this one's a more recent one it's 2005 and it got like hardly no press it um, it premiered at Sundance the movie's called November and it stars uh, Courtney Cox and what the movie is, and this is a movie that not a lot of people are going to like, and I'm going to warn that for you guys right away, but I will say that if you're curious and it sounds interesting to you, the movie's only 75 minutes long, so it's super short. So she plays this photographer who's kind of having a midlife crisis. She's shooting her boyfriend. She doesn't really know what she wants in life. Her and her boyfriend go to this gas station. There's a shooting. And the movie replays itself three different times from three different perspectives. And you're trying to kind of piece it together what actually happened this night at the gas station. Um, I don't want to give away anything more than that, but I will say that uh, Courtney Cox is great in the movie. Uh, she's very kind of, um, you know, she's got, you know, kind of that mousy hair and like the, the, the glasses and she just kind of, you know, tones down her um her her looks for the role and it works and it's it's a very quiet character piece but it's a movie that once it's over it it makes you ask a lot of questions as to what exactly happened and where and what's the most reliable source to this information. So if this sounds good to you, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I need to actually watch it again because it's been two years for me, but um, I remember really, really enjoying it. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. I've never even heard of it, so I'm definitely on board with checking that out. It sounds Yeah, I don't know what happened with it. Like, I mean, it was... It, it was like, it, I mean, it started recording Cox, it premiered at Sundance, and then it just kind of, you know, fell between the cracks. And it's a shame because she's really, really good in it. It's one of those movies where there's not necessarily like a big bang that happens. It's, it's kind of slow, and it's just about kind of knowing the characters. And it's more of kind of a day in the life of... But you kind of, it's definitely one of those movies that makes you kind of question your decisions as to how they're going to impact others and how it might change what your tomorrow is going to be. 
So, um, yeah, I would, if that sounds interesting to you, I would definitely recommend checking it out, especially, you know, being a Courtney Cox fan. Which I am. So I am definitely on board with this. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I've never, I love those kind of movies with like unreliable narrators. Um, because it's a lot of like, oh, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I feel the same way, especially when they're really well done and they're kind of, you know, you have like that, that really strong lead performance that kind of carries it through the story. And I think you definitely have that here. And there's, um, there's definitely um, some really good movies out there that are like that. And I actually have a couple more on my list that we'll talk about in a bit. But um, we can move on to you. What's your next pick? Um, I am going to go with Flatliners from 1990. Um, not quite a horror movie, more of a psychological thriller with some horror aspects. It's about a bunch of, I mean, I think people know, but it's, it's about uh, medical students that decide that they want to see what happens after you die. So they find a way to basically kill themselves and bring them back to life. But what happens is like memories and repressed things um, start coming back and kind of haunting them. And it's just, it's really well done. I mean, it's Schumacher, so it's a little uh, grandiose and stylish, but it works for it. But I mean, I think as far as like 90s thrillers go, it's really good. I mean, it's got a great cast. I mean, you've got Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, Oliver Platt, William Baldwin, like good, interesting, like actors. And I just, it's one of those where every time I watch it, I'm always just like, oh my God, I love this movie. How do I not watch this every day? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about this one. Um, this is one of them that um, I, you're right, the cast is great. It's got a really good premise, uh, just kind of, you know, the story. It was very ahead of its time. It definitely feels, you know, ironically, because we have a, re- a remake coming out, but it definitely feels more of a movie that they would make today than, you know, as opposed to kind of 1990, especially kind of, you know, the commentary on um, technology and almost kind of like that, you know, not to get political about that, you know, kind of, you know, like that, you know, the whole like right to die movement and just kind of like that just feels very, very modern. And this movie brings up a lot of really good questions and kind of makes you kind of scared because it's like, okay, well, you know, what, what bad things or what, you know, really good things might have happened in my life that, you know, I just don't remember anymore because, you know, as you get older, um, your your memory starts to fade and, you know, you, you start to kind of question yourself as to, did this really happen? Was this a dream? Um, was it, you know, just kind of, you know, just something that I thought of as a kid or I'm, you know, thinking that it was better or worse than what had actually happened. But, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's very thought-provoking and, you know, brings up a lot of kind of good issues. Well, and I think it's funny because, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's a classic. How dare they remake it? And I'm like, it's a fun movie. I would never say it's a classic that's untouchable. Like, <laughs> it is a little strange. Yeah. Because they did, it did just feel like they remade it with the Lazarus effect. But, I mean, I'm, I like Ellen Page a lot. Um, and so, you know, I'm just... I'll go see it. Of course I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see Annabelle Creation, too. Not ashamed. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, hey, the reviews have been really good. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to kind of see what they do with it. Um, I'm glad that you brought up Flatliners, because that's a great kind of intro to my next film, which I would say that there's kind of a spiritual sequel to Flatliners, um, and that kind of came out in the 2000s. It's this one, and it's The Butterfly Effect. Um, which for whatever reason, oh. um, this, this movie like never gets any attention. I don't know if it's the fact that I saw Ashton Kutcher, who's actually really good in this movie, but this movie brings up much like that line. I think, I think that's part of the reason why it never really gets remembered is because it stars Ashton Kutcher, which is a shame because you know what? I, I, I like it when, um, actors kind of turn like like take a right hand turn or a left hand turn in their careers 
and it does something completely different. And I, I thought it works. Yeah, I mean, this movie brings up a lot of really good questions, um, much like, like I said, like Flatliners. I mean, yeah, he's, he's really solid in it. Um, if you haven't checked it out, you guys are going to rent it or whatever, um, watch the alternative ending instead of the theatrical one. I think it's much, much better. And I think it flows um, organically with the story. I think that the other ending is a little, the theatrical one is a little bit of a cop-out. It's not bad. It's uh, it's not one of those where it's like, it ruins the movie by any means, but um, I will say that the, the, you know, the director's cut um, ending is much more grim which is probably the reason that it was reshot. But the movie as itself is just, you know, it asks, you know, questions, you know, how are we responsible for our own actions and how are things in our life going to change other things that happen? And uh, it's just, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it when it first came out and I remember really liking it, but I haven't watched it since then. But I've always kind of been like a, a champion for it where I'm like, no, that is really good. Was it? No, uh, it's sequel was one of the eight films to die for, but yeah, if you can get past the fact and that I, it's mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher, like teen, it's teen actors, but if you can get past like the teen movie actors, which I have no problem doing because they're actors. Um, I say give it a whirl. He's not Kelso, so that's nice. Yeah, and it's really weird in the fact that, I mean, granted, you know, I'm not going to say that he hasn't paid his dues, but um, people tend to be more forgiving with some actors than others. I mean, you know, for we can look at somebody like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, he did, you know, he did teeny bopper stuff back in the day, too, with stuff like Growing Pains, and I mean, he was in Critters 3. I mean, it's not like anybody has this, you know, flawless, serious resume where there's going to be something in, you know, their past that's not like, oh, hey, like, that's funny that they did that. I can't take them seriously. Like, that's just, it's such a stupid, um, you know, a premise for, you know, not particularly liking someone. I mean, it, granted, if you see them in a, a ton of stuff and, you know, they've never kind of warmed up to you, they probably never will, but judging them based on one role is just, it's very silly. Yeah, it is just it. I think a lot of it is it's hard to see certain actors who are so good in one role that it's hard to see them doing something else. So I kind of get it, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, it's not like, you know, when you do one movie, it's like, okay, well, you can go right on to the next one. I mean, you know, with something like a, a television show and something like um, that 70s show, I mean, it ran for eight years and it's still running today. So, I mean, if there's always kind of a lasting memory of it that's going on. And that's something with TV actors that's very hard to escape. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what, 20 years later, Sarah Michelle Gellar is always going to be called Buffy. Yep, and I mean, you know, Jennifer Aniston can do a million movies, but people are still going to remember her as Rachel. Well, to be fair, a lot of the roles she plays in other movies is Rachel. Just kidding. That is true, but I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where... <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's hard, though. It is very hard to kind of branch out from that. Yeah, well, I mean... Typecasting is is a true thing. It's a shame, but I mean that's just kind of how Hollywood works. It sucks though because I feel like a lot of very good actors are pigeonholed into certain things when I feel like they should be kind of bred. Well, and I think too. I think there's this kind of um, um, you know, this kind of miscommunication with how Hollywood works where it's not necessarily these actors are saying, no, I don't want to, you know, I only want this one's a particular role, but I think that people that don't know the business have to understand that 
before an actor gets a script, it probably goes through, especially if you're like an A-list, probably a good dozen people before that person sees it. And if one person, whether it's management, agent, you know, studio, like it could be any of these people are like, you know, no, I don't have their right for it. That actor's never going to even see it. So there's probably a reason why, okay, well, let's cast a blank type character because we know that we'll get them because that's all they do. Mm-hmm. But hey, being a working actor is nothing to scoff at. I would love to be able to be a working actor. Oh, yeah, I just do a lot of horror movies. Fun. That's all I would ever want to do. Exactly. <laughs> You, you 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 do what you you can with the movies that you're given, and hey, there's nothing wrong with any genre, and there's nothing wrong with being a character actor, and just having fun, and just bringing whatever you can to the roles that you're given. Mm-hmm. Um. So speaking what else? Solid. I was going to say, speaking of solid actors and performances, um, I'm going to go with 2001's Don't say a word. Now, I mean, it is a very kind of by-the-numbers thriller. You know, Michael Douglas is solid, but he's playing Michael Douglas. And, you know, Sean, Sean Bean's in it. Um, uh, Fam, Famke Jansen is amazing. But really, who, who steals the movie 130% is Brittany Murphy. Um, she plays a kind of like PTSD woman in a a mentally disturbed woman in like an asylum and Michael Douglas's daughter gets kidnapped and he has to find a series of numbers from her head and it's just it's really good because you know they've got the whole like oh she's got 24 hours to do it or your daughter dies and I mean she just she plays the role so good and it's I just, oh, I miss Brittany Murphy. She's so, she was so good. I've been watching King of the Hill, too, yeah. so I hear her as Luann, and I'm just like, oh. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, this is one of them, too, that, um, you know, it, it was kind of, you know, I, I don't think it got kind of, you know, the attention that it deserved. And you're right, it was kind of by the numbers. I mean, it's, you know, you know there there is one of those things where, you know, it's not like this type of story hasn't been done before, but yeah, her performance in particular is quite good in this movie. And I think what really works is the fact that she takes this character that on the page might have seemed very, um, just very kind of angsty and angry and just, you know, in, in the, the hands of a lesser actor, I mean, that character could have been, you know, nails on a chalkboard. Whenever you you have like that, that tortured character in a movie, especially when they're a lead, uh, it's very, you know, hit or miss. But um, she hits it right on the head and she's great in it and she's easily the best thing about it. And yeah, it's a shame the fact that um, we lost her so young because I feel like there were a lot more great performances like this in her that sadly, especially towards the end of her career, that she just wasn't given. Yeah. Well, I also feel like a lot of it, because um, we were discussing um, like Thora Birch's career and how it kind of ended because her father was like her manager and he was very like demanding. Um, he would just, cause a lot of problems on set and that's how Thor Birch's career kind of started to sell. Rumor has it is that's what kind of happened to Brittany Murphy's is her husband was always on set and he was making just ludicrous demands and all this other stuff. And I feel like that's kind of why her career started stall. Because it wasn't because of lack yeah. of talent. Because she had proved Yeah, I heard that too. And that's that's really saying about us. Yeah. But what about you? What's next up on your list? Um, no, that was going though. Um, so the next one on my list um, is another kind of, you know, uh, a low budget. Um, this one's from 2005, I believe. Um, it's the Steven Soderbergh movie, uh, Bubble, 
which this movie was like really, it, it was really well known when it came out because it was the first movie to um, have a, a VOD release and a theatrical release and a DVD release all in the same week. It all, it all happened, you know, very simultaneously. And it was kind of a test to see um, if or how this could work. Um, that's kind of beside the point. I mean, the movie is about um, this movie, this woman named Martha. Uh, she lives in a small town. She works at this doll factory. And she's just one of those people where she's just kind of settled in her life. And without giving too much away, um, somebody new was hired at the doll factory. And um, this new woman ends up uh, being found murdered. And you're, uh, I mean, I, I won't give too much away as to whether or not she did or didn't do it. it they make it pretty obvious um, pretty early on, but it's more of a character study of what it's kind of like to live in a small town and to live in kind of this environment where you feel like there's kind of no way out, where every day is exactly the same and you kind of build a routine. And there's kind of something sad about that, but it's played very naturally. And the performance in this, I mean, they're all not actors, but... Um, it feels very organic, and it works for the story. And this is another one, much like the other one I was talking about in November. It's incredibly short. It's only like 75 minutes long, and it just kind of tells the story. It's done, and that's it. And it's, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Um, it sounds really, really interesting. I feel like that would be something I could get down with, but I just never heard of it. Um, I, but I, yeah, I feel like you would like it too. <laughs> okay. Because he is a he is a very very good like suspense director. Um, I'm putting Bubble in my Amazon queue, but the one I was gonna say is Side Effects with Rooney Mara, Jude Law, Zeta Jones. Um, that is a very good psychological thriller. There was some moments where I was like, all right, well, this feels like a, a Law & Order SVU script that they kind of fleshed out to be full length. But that didn't bother me because it just it had some really good twists and turns. It had really good performances. Um, I, I recommend that one a lot as well. Yeah, that one's another really good one. Um, an A-list cast, given that they're all, um, I'm kind of right there with you. Um, I would say, um, without kind of giving away the ending, I think this movie has like one twist too many. Um, it gets to the point where they kind of add on a twist on top of a twist that's already been done. And it feels very, I'm not going to say out of place, but I don't know if we necessarily needed it. Um, I'll just leave it at that, but the movie itself is quite good. Um, so yeah, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, so I'll, um, yeah, we have like three minutes left. So I'll just run down um, the rest of my list. Um, so let's see what we got. Um, the Minus Man, a really good um, psychological thriller from the mid-90s. Uh, Owen Wilson, before he was kind of, you know, that kind of, you know, surfer dude type character. He's good in it. Um, uh, man who comes to town. Uh, he's a drifter, and he might be a murderer. No one in the town really knows anything about him. Also in the movie, Cheryl Crow and Janine Garofalo. Uh, it's it's really well done. Just very serious throughout, but just really good stuff. Um, in Dreams, another one, uh, great performance by uh, Nat Benning. Uh, Best Laid Plans, an underrated uh, thriller from the late 90s with Reese Witherspoon. And one of the all-time um, classics of kind of, you know, twist and turny uh, suspense thrillers. Uh, I'll always have to give a shout out to Brian DeFalmo's Dress to Kill because it's almost a perfect movie. So good. Um, the few I have left, um, 2014's Gone Girl. Um, I didn't know anything about it when I saw it. I thought it was very well done. Um, it might have been a little overhyped, but it was still a very entertaining movie. Uh, the Game, uh, David Fincher, Michael Douglas, Sean Penn, very classic. The Criterion Edition is worth it. Um, David Slade's Hard Candy with Patrick Wilson and Ellen Page. Um, a very, very unsettling psychological thriller. Um, Mr. Brooks with Kevin Costner, where he has his alter ego, who's a murderer. It's, I, 
saw it in 2007. I haven't seen it since, but I remember being really intrigued by it. And the last one is 1997's The Ugly. It's a New Zealand psychological thriller about a psychologist who wants to understand the minds of a serial killer. And so she like interviews him and it's just, it's a very creepy slow burn gut punch. But yeah, that's all no, I know. Those are some great tips. Yeah. Um, those are some really good ones. I can't believe that I forgot um, hard candy. I even went through my movies, um, but that's another really good one, especially like, I mean, if you're, if you're kind of able to to take it because it, it, it throws some, some, you know, pun intended, but it, it, it throws you know, some, some hard material at you. It's just very, it's, you know, the, the, it's, it's strong subject matter, but um, very well done, especially with the, the two leads, because they really sell the entire movie, and it definitely asks a lot of questions at the end. But, um, yeah, so those are some great recommendations. Uh, let us know what your favorite uh, psychological thrillers are, uh, and we'll have to add some more to our own list. Yeah, definitely. I do. I love um, psychological thrillers. So if you guys have any, let me know. <laughs> yeah, same thing with me. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week with a brand new horror topic. Uh, so send us those recommendations. And until then, uh, have a horror-filled week. Yeah, have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.